So if anybody's been following along, we are still in Exodus. And uh, so God's promised people, the Israelites, are still on their journey to the promised land. Uh, We did uh, Exodus 18 last week. And at this point, they are going through the desert. And in chapter 19 of Exodus, begins with the Israelites entering Sinai, which is the desert. And it's been about three months after the Israelites left Egypt, and Moses is talking to God. And God is telling Moses what kind of people he desires. So before we get into the Word, let's go ahead and pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that you give us your Word, Old Testament and New. There's so many valuable lessons. I just pray that you would help us understand and realize how valuable this is. That you preserved your word this many years later. That so many people died trying to get your message across. And you have preserved that. So we thank you for that. I pray as we hear your word today that you help us accept it. You help us hear it the way you want us to hear it. Without any distractions. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So... We're going to start out in Exodus 19, 3 through 6. And when you find it, please stand for the reading of God's word. And then when Moses went up to God and the Lord called to him from the mountain, he said, this is what you are to say to the descendants of Jacob and what you are to tell the people of Israel. You yourselves have seen what I did to Egypt, how I carried you on eagle's wings and brought you to myself. Now, if you obey me fully and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. You may be seated. So just reading these verses, it tells us that even though the Israelites were saved by God's grace, and carried out of Egypt, God still wants them to become His people. He wants them to be a holy, or to be holy, and to become a nation of priests. So what is God's next step to start this process? Well, God is going to give His people the law. God and the Israelites make a covenant. The Israelites agree to do whatever God tells them to do. And this is found in Exodus 19, 7 and 8. So Moses went back and summoned the elders of the people and set before them all the words that the Lord had commanded him to speak. The people all responded together. We will do everything the Lord has said. So Moses brought their answer back to the Lord. So being the amazing God that we have, he came down in a cloud and started speaking to the people. There was smoke And the mountains shook. There was lightning. There was thunder. And the whole camp of Israelites trembled. They had to set limits around the mountain so some of them would not die. The people couldn't even stand it when God was speaking to them. And we see that in Exodus 20, 18 and 19. When the people saw the thunder and the lightning and heard the trumpet and saw the mountain and smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, Speak to us yourselves and we will listen. But do not have God speak to us or we will die. One thing you may be wondering is, 
is it possible to really be scared to death? Well, the answer is yes. Humans can be scared to death. In fact, any strong emotional reaction can trigger amounts of chemical, such as adrenaline, in the body. It happens very rarely, but it can happen to anyone. The risk of death from fear or another strong emotional emotion is greater in individuals with pre-existing heart conditions, but people who are perfectly healthy in all other respects can fall victim to this. So think about the fear that they were experiencing. The Israelites have seen the power of God. He demands holiness. And when the Egyptians didn't sanctify themselves through the blood, their firstborns died. When the Pharaoh and his army didn't submit, they were all drowned. So why did God come down in this way? Well, Moses tells us in Exodus 20.20. Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. God has come to test you so that the fear of God will be with you and keep you from sinning. God wants to give them the law so that they can only fear if they don't keep it. The law will be given to them so they can be the people God wants them to be. So, uh, the other day, me and Sarah went to this restaurant called Carabas. And so we came into the restaurant and the hostess um, lady, she had blue hair and was kind of saying stuff to her friends or whatever. And we're kind of like, oh, that was odd. So she takes us over to the booth and we can see her kind of linger as we get in and we're kind of like, that was weird. So we're eating our meal. Um, it was me, her, and Isaac. And she walks back over and she said, do you know you're breaking the law? And me being the dummy that I am, I'm like, man, did she look at my car, my tags? You know, I'm thinking about stuff like that. And then she has a long pause, and she says to Sarah, because it's illegal to be so beautiful. I thought, wow, that's bold. And then after I thought about it, I was a little insulted um, because we came to the conclusion that she thought that I was Sarah's dad, so that was kind of awkward. Again. And yeah, we laugh at the ridiculous thought that being beautiful is breaking the law. But without the law of God, we can make up our own laws. Without the law, how do we distinguish what's right or wrong? Or what do we do if we cross that line? Without God's law, law we have to rely on feelings or our understanding on how life works, which is limited. Without God's law, we would not know how to be God's holy people. So the Israelites are too scared to listen for God to give them the law. So what does God think about the Israelites being so scared? Well, it pleased God. He gave us Jesus so we wouldn't have to be so close to death to hear God. As it says in Deuteronomy 8, 15 through 19, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked on the, of the Lord, your God, at Horeb. Now, Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. So this is the same place. It's talking about the same event in Deuteronomy. On the day of the assembly, when you said, let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, what they say is good. 
I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites. I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I command him. I myself will call account to anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. Because they couldn't handle hearing the Lord, Moses went to God and received the law. But in the New Covenant, it says in Deuteronomy 18 that Jesus came and gave us a law, a new law like Moses. But unlike Moses, Jesus was the very Word of God. Paul calls Jesus' instructions the law of Christ. And we see that found in Galatians 6.2. Carry each other's burdens, and this is the way you will fulfill the law of Christ. We know the law of Christ is different than the original law, especially since Jesus became our sacrifice. So the Israelites had this law from God that separated them from all nations. The law was to make Israelite different, a peculiar people. God desired them to be a holy nation and a kingdom of priests. God still desires that in our lives today. So let's look at New Testament scriptures about being holy. So, we, so who are God's holy people? Number one, slaves of God who have been set free from sin. And we find that in Romans 6, 22 and 23. But now you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God. The benefit you reap leads to holiness. And the result is eternal life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. God's grace causes us to be free from being slaves to sin, which leads to eternal life, as it said in that passage. Those who are still in bondage need that gift to be set free, that grace. And it tells us when we do that, when we separate from that sin, it helps us cling to God and be holy. Who are God's holy people? Number two, those who were taught by Jesus and obey. We find this in Ephesians 4, 20 through 24. That, however, is not the way of life you learned. When you heard about Christ and were taught in him, accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with the regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Those who are taught in the way of Christ don't just listen. They put on the things of Christ and they take off the things that are not Christ. But you can't do that unless you take the time to learn. Then as it says, you will be righteous. And righteous is just one of those Christian words that means right standing with God. And holy, which means separate from the world and connected with God. According to Paul, holy and righteous people put on what they have learned with an attitude taught by Christ. Who are God's holy people? Number three, reverent people who purify themselves from spiritual and physical contamination. 
And we find this in 2 Corinthians 7.1. Therefore, since we have these promises, dear friends, let us purify ourselves from everything that contaminates our body and spirit, perfecting holiness out of reverence for God. Anything that can get in the way of our relationship with God needs to be removed. Usually when you think of contamination, it's like when somebody takes something bad and puts it in something good. So you could have a good job or a good hobby or a good relationship, but if it is not in line with God's will, it can be a contamination. And when it is a contamination, it gets in the way of us being God's holy people. Since we know that, let's take time every day to search for contaminations. Let's be serious about the dangers of contaminations. Who are God's holy people? Number four. Those who are at peace with others and do not defile others. And we find this in Hebrews 12, 14 through 17. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See, it is, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See that no one is sexually immoral or godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. Afterwards, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. God's holy people try to be at peace with everyone as long as it's possible. It may not seem like it, but even sexual immorality is the opposite of being peaceful. I know the hippie movement called sexual immorality love. And now even these days we find ourselves calling adultery love. But when we commit sexual immorality, we take the peace of God away from us and others. Let's not argue and contend on things that don't matter. Let's try to resolve disputes without raising our voices name-calling, being sarcastic, or making fun of others. What kind of ambassadors are we if this is how the world sees us? Let's not profane the name of our Lord Jesus or His Father by our actions. Who are God's holy people? Number five, spiritual priest, as we see in Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in the view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is true and proper worship. Like a priest, we offer our lives as a sacrifice. Instead of chasing our dreams, we chase God's will, offering of incense of prayer and asking Him to do whatever He pleases with our lives. We are supposed to no longer make our lives number one priority. Also, as Peter talks about being priest in 1 Peter 2, 4, and 5, as you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And then he goes on in 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of Him who called you out of darkness into the wonderful light. 
Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you did not receive mercy, but now you have received mercy. First thing we probably ought to do is we should look at who Peter is talking to. Are priests, or this, is this priesthood just the deacons or elders? Or is it everybody in the church? At the beginning of this book, Peter lets us know who he is talking to. And this is found in 1 Peter 1, 1 and 2. Peter, apostle of Jesus Christ, to the elect, exile, scattered through the provinces, and it's a bunch of provinces I'm not going to name, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with His blood. This royal priesthood is for believers who obey Christ and who are forgiven through the blood and are being sanctified through the Holy Spirit. The priesthood is not only for elders and deacons. Now that doesn't mean we don't need elders and deacons, but it's not just for elders and deacons. Now our bodies are pieces of the holy of holies. Together we make the stones for the temple. The temple in the New Testament is not a building like the Old Testament. It's not this place in Heartland Church, but it's us. We have the honor of the priestly duties. We can now offer prayers to God with the rest of God's holy people. We can daily worship God in spirit and truth. We eat the sacrifice like the priests do every time we take Holy Communion. With this great gift comes great responsibility. We have to keep our temple holy. We have to be committed to those verses that I read before. We have to be those holy people. We have to be careful about what we watch, what we read, what we listen to, because we don't just want to let anything in our temple. Whatever we do, we do in the presence of the Holy Spirit that dwells in God's holy people, which is His temple. If you messed up and brought something in that temple that shouldn't be there, what I recommend is doing what Jesus did. When there were people selling things that they shouldn't have in the temple, He made a whip and turned over tables and ran it out of there. So spiritually speaking, we need to make sure we have a whip. Do you guys ever wonder, did Jesus braid that right in front of them? Or did he go to his home and make that whip? Did he, was he walking to the temple and everybody was like, man, I wonder why that guy's coming up there with a whip to the temple? But let's stop caring about what people think when we carry our whip. Let's be prepared to keep our temple holy, no matter what it takes. So plan what you do in life before you're caught without your whip. Paul speaks about this very thing, and it's found in 1 Corinthians 6, 19-20. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit, who is in, in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. There should be great joy in our hearts, knowing that we are the holy priesthood and are treasured. God said in Exodus, when we do this, we are his most treasured possession in all the earth. Can you imagine at the end of your life, well done, good and faithful servant? 
Can you imagine that the God of the universe has been, the wait, has been waiting for the end of your earthly life? So God can have the treasure His Son, Jesus, died for. A, a priesthood in a holy nation. That's what our hope should be in. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you. Thank you that you've called, called us to be separate from the world. That you desire, that you treasure us. I just pray that your grace helps us to continue walking with you like they did in Exodus. But not like they did, because you gave us a new covenant. That you give us the ability to walk in a way that they were unable to. I just pray that you bless us as we go throughout our week. Uh, that everybody would see what is working in us and they would, we, they would see that we are a different people, that we honor you and don't profane your name. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.